This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. All right. So for this, let's see. Uh, we should have known. We should have known from the fucking count-in on the last one. Yeah, <laughs> we should have called it there. I mean, just so that we say it for the air, we are about to record the same episode again. You know what? <laughs> but the first one was too good, too hot f- to handle. So well, don't worry, yeah. this one's going to be much, much worse. <laughs> The sun rises over Nordia. A deep crimson red fills the sky. The light that crosses the land rolls across the hills and wells of Nordia like blood. And piercing through that crimson lit air, we hear the calling of the heart bell ringing out across the ship, letting every resident of the Uhuru know that in roughly an hour or so, there will be a vote. That's a callback joke to a thing that you don't get. Because again, (laughs) do need to emphasize, this is the second second time time we're we're doing doing this. this. (laughs) Let's open once again on Travis, who was woken up this morning by the captain, who came into the room, pulled the gun, put it down, and then handed over Dref's heart and the heart of the bandit queen and left. So Travis is going to find, try and find his compatriots. Um, and how, how is he going to go about doing that? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, first place he's going to check is the bathroom. <laughs> we have to rebuild the bathroom. <laughs> we can build a better bathroom. <laughs> A faster bathroom, a stronger bathroom. <laughs> we have the technology. <laughs> okay. Oh my so god. <laughs> what if we don't? What if we don't describe it, like but to establish know. it? But we we know what's in the bathroom, in the- <laughs> mm-hmm. and there's a lot. <laughs> this is interesting. And I'm willing to follow along on this. <laughs> this does mean 
that in order to really get across all the things that we did establish for this bathroom, it the first time we recorded this specific episode that follows these specific events, uh, you really need to hit those references hard. You need to paint a word picture every time. You're not describing the room itself, but you are calling out details of the room and everything you say about it. It's like we're doing a... a uh, mammoth. Yeah, this <laughs> is oh, disgusting. Well, <laughs> the less Do people even think... call it that. No, Johnny. Only we call it that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you enter the bathroom. Uh, the sound of the door <laughs> echoes <laughs> as you open it, uh, bouncing around the vast room with the smooth stone tile work on the floor. Yeah, tra- Travis's feet click loudly on the marble. Um, <laughs> he, yeah, I guess you he, do have like kind of those classic 1700s heels, yeah. which, you know, have real mm-hmm. wood and whatnot and, and a little bit of uh, elevation for you. So, yeah, it does click loudly on that marble for sure. Uh, Travis looks underneath each of the eight stalls to see. Um, <laughs> see, the thing is, this sounds like a bit, but this is really how we describe the bathroom. <laughs> Here's the thing, Johnny. It was a bit the first time. <laughs> <laughs> okay. uh, he checks under each of the eight stalls for the feet of Jonna or Gable. Uh, he cannot find them. Occupied. But before occupied. He... <laughs> no, the voice was before... deeper. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's... Occupied, occupied. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> um, before he leaves the bathroom, he does wash his hands. Uh, he turns on the faucet. Uh, cool, fresh water comes out of the penis of the small boy statue. He washes his hands with the powder soap. And... Uh, and you know yeah, what? We didn't establish this before, but oh yeah, right, right, right. I forgot. I forgot about <laughs> bathroom Barry. <laughs> <laughs> no, we meet him later. We don't. Well, we don't Travis need to do it all in sequence. <laughs> Travis knew he was there the whole time. That's true. That's true. We only addressed him. <laughs> Thank you, Barry. I appreciate uh, all that you do for the crew. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, can I offer you one uh, broken mint? <laughs> you know what? I would love that. There Thank you, you. Hey, uh, you got a big vote coming up today, right? Yeah, in about an hour or so. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I'll probably get an opportunity to say this later, but uh, just give a good old thumbs up from Bathroom Barry when it comes around, okay? Will do. I know and that's not how we actually have... vote because we later established <laughs> how we actually vote on the ship. That mean, I, I think that means... The bathroom bears never actually voted. <laughs> no one's ever told him. No. He he just hears that a vote is happening, and then he hears a bunch of metal clinging sounds. <laughs> One of the things that I like about the lore of Bathroom Barry that I really didn't get to dig into before is it's a job that people clearly think is so essential <laughs> that it's occupied 
all the time. Mm -hmm. And you've, in fact, made special provisions. Uh, And not only that, but Bathroom Barry gets tipped when Mm -hmm. really all of the crew members would merely share in the stake of whatever prize comes into the ship. But on top of that, Bathroom Barry gets tips. So he must be the most well-paid member of the crew. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he, he, he doesn't tell anybody that. Because he feels like he's the only one that has realized and keyed into that. <laughs> I mean, maybe, you know, I like to believe that everybody knows and they just go, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Bathroom Barry it. should get paid the most. Of course. <laughs> well, as, as w- I, it's, a, it's a rough job and as will be established later, Gable does take absolutely <laughs> massive dumps. <laughs> it's, that's not the whole just, 20 minutes. Just fucking sinister shit. (laughs) First of all, this is not the first time we've talked about this. We've done this in previous episodes, Lost and Unlost. The second part is most of that is sitting, writing in a diary, maybe, you know, just doing your stretches. Uh Uh-huh. In privacy. It's part of Gable's ritual. It's a routine. Oh. Uh, So you were unable to locate the crew in the bathroom. Mm -hmm. Uh, So where do you check next, Travis? I'll go to to Jonnet's sleeping quarters. All right. uh, So so Tyler, why don't you describe for us where uh, Jonnet sleeps on the ship? I will interject this little bit of real life pirate history to let you know that pirate crews were actually insane. larger than mercantile crews on ships. Uh, wow. I'm surprised well, to hear that. Yeah. yeah. You know what's funny, Johnny? What's really funny is that most mercantile crews would be leanly stacked. So like, a ship of the size of the Uhuru might try to eke by on just having about 30 crew members. But a pirate ship of the same size could have 100 to even 200 occupants. 200? What? Now, I know that sounds wild, Liz. <laughs> Insane. But here's the thing. That's for larger raiding parties. And oh. this means two things. The first thing is the ship is actually quite strapped for living space. Um, they are really making their beds amongst the cargo hold of the ship, and they're throwing up hammocks and doing sort all sorts of things to conserve as much space as they can. The other thing is it means that pirates get to be very lazy. There's actually way more people than there is work on the ship. So a lot of the time, uh, pirates have downtime where they just hang out and faff off. Uh, So that's just an interesting thing of pirate history that everyone here on this call is learning for the first time. Thank you, James. Wow. Wow. (laughs) How fun. So with that in mind, uh, what does Jonathan's sleeping quarter look like, Tyler? Oh, man. That's a great question, James. Uh, Well, I guess uh, if we go in the... This episode uh, is going to be more be unlistenable <laughs> than the one where my oh, audio listen. is just right, completely missing. Hang on, I'm sorry. We're allowed a little bit We're of allowed. that as a treat. Uh, but, <laughs> yeah, this is for us. We got to stay motivated. Uh, John is going to be on the second floor of. Uh, he's going to be in suspended in his hammock. 
he doesn't normally have a hammock on the up above, but uh, he snuck in there and he uh, staked his claim, and now it's his. Um, okay, uh, in what camp rules, Jonnet, In what ways did Jonnet make it his? Um, I, I so as like we always, uh, you know, when uh, we make port, uh, some of the the crew members as they age out, they have the opportunity to uh, to stay on or or leave one of the crew members left they had a uh a top a top bunk a top bunk as it were um and Jonnet just kind of like he snuck in he 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 claimed it as his own and no one's uh tried to say otherwise so that's just where he uh sleeps now brad what's what's Jonnet doing right now he's he's playing a card game with the person uh below him all right, and we'll make that slam. Wow, great choice. Wow. Mm, great choice. Love that. A bold choice. <laughs> All right, slam. Well, uh, I'm just going to have to tell you right now that uh, I want to up the ante a little bit. Oh, yeah? Yeah. All right, so how about uh, if I win, you give me your favorite uh, shirt that you've ripped the arms off of. Uh, that's going to be hard to narrow down because I've ripped the arms off every shirt that I own. Then I want all of your shirts. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah, sure. But what What are you going to bet? If I if I lose, which I won't, uh, I've, I've never lost to you, Slam, and I never will, uh, you can have uh, this <laughs> revolver. <laughs> and he pulls out his... <laughs> <laughs> This old trusted uh, has revolver has been with me since day one. Wow, well, uh, that's a that's a nice revolver. But I want sure. all of your shirts, Slam. All my shirts. Okay, okay. Well, what do you got, little man? <laughs> I have a full house. <laughs> all right, and I I've got the rules to poker. Just, yeah, you're just going to give me that, that shirt. One just card give me that's that, just, just go ahead and give me that shirt, Slam. Uh, uh, okay, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Pleasure doing biz with you, buddy. I will be throwing these overboard almost immediately. <clears throat> oh. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, John, it's, it's okay. a jerk those, in this round. <laughs> those this shirts are too warm. <laughs> New game plus, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's mean now. <laughs> Uh, so Travis, you you come onto the scene as you can see. Slam is just pulling out, uh, kind of like a magician pulling just a long scarf out of a pocket. Just endless shirts that have been made sleeveless forcibly. <laughs> all right, Slam, keep. I want I want all those shirts in my hammock when I come back. Hey, Travis. Uh, Jonet, may I have a word? What's up? Going on, man? Well. Something happened that I would like to talk to you and Gable about. Uh, okay. Where's Gable? I don't know. I have you checked already the bathroom? Checked the, I already checked the bathroom. Ah, dang. All right. Well, then, uh, where could maybe we'll check, check we'll check the bathroom one more time. Let's maybe they went time. in the time. Yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, so we see you approach the door to the bathroom on the Uhuru. What, what does the door look like? Oh, fun. <laughs> New information. I think it's, it's a, a balsa a, wood. 
Ooh. Very thin. <laughs> what what is the reason for there being a breakaway door? Has there been some sort of problem in the no, past? No, it's for people to let off some steam. That's part of what Bathroomberry's job is to keep on replacing the door when people want to kick it down. Okay, I like this. That a lot of the time when people have to use the bathroom, they really have to go. Disgusting. And the crew all kind of voted that the best way to handle that was to just make it so that the door could easily be destroyed by just getting run through completely by any member of the crew. They could just get beads. (laughs) No, it's not beads. That doesn't provide... I think Bathroom Barry pointed out that doesn't really provide a scent protection. Even balsa wood can provide a seal. You know? Right, right, right. Uh, Travis kicks in the door. <laughs> Gable? We enter, we enter Matrix-style slow motion so we can see all the splinters exploding everywhere. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> and then what do you do? <laughs> I look for Gable. Okay. <laughs> so Bathroom Barry's there. He kind of nods casually. Uh, he knows. Uh, he knows what's up. Yeah, what's up? <laughs> yeah, you can't see Gable's face, which anybody would be able to see because Gable stands above, like, e- even when Gable's sitting down, they are at least a head above the stall door in front of them. The stall doors mm-hmm. are like saloon doors. They're, like, definitely for show, and they don't cover regular people. So Gable's just like, that. Th- th- nothing. It's not... <laughs> A lot of money was spent on the fixtures for this bathroom, mm-hmm. uh, but not much money was spent on the door budget. The was yeah, was I had to used buy a lot of doors. Bought a lot of doors wholesale. You know, <laughs> most of our our storage is doors. <laughs> <laughs> well, now we could get one expensive door or four hundred extremely cheap doors. I think that I think that's that deal speaks for itself. But yeah, this is one of the first purchases that you made as the captain's council. More doors is better doors. We all know this to be true. <laughs> so said the captain. <laughs> but Gable is not in there. I say not making a decision for Liz's character. But I say knowing that Gable's not there because we've done this before. (laughs) (laughs) Which I I will point out in previous like lost episodes of campaign, we were classy enough not to mention in the episode itself. No longer. No. (laughs) Yeah. You'll you'll never know how many episodes of campaign are the second episode. (laughs) It's more than you'd think. (laughs) Less than you'd want, though, you know. Certainly if you're us. (laughs) Oh God. Uh, well, I suppose we'll check their bunk. Liz, where does Gable sleep on the ship? Uh, Gable doesn't sleep typically, but when they do, it is in the nude. Where? Love this. Uh, <laughs> Gable, uh, they're, they can't sleep in regular bunks or anything like that because they're too big and the hammocks don't really fit. So usually yeah. where they go is they tuck in. There's a lot of – between the birds and – chickens or live animals that we need on the ship for food, there's a lot of fresh packed hay. And usually they just kind of flop over on that, sleep very hard, and then wake up early in the morning. It's not perfect, but it's what fits. 
Now, this is interesting. Uh, I, I want to ask because you did mention it was on hay, but Gable is still sleeping in the nude. Is that not too pokey? I don't know, James. <laughs> uh, this is your character. I'm trying to invest in the reality that you're creating for me. You've said your character sleeps in the nude. I support that. I mean, they I, probably wear pants, you know. We don't need to wear pants. I know. Okay. Go there because I can tell Liz. I, I'm listening to the audience right now as they're listening, and I can tell how much they hate that. They hate I can that. tell how excited they got when you said Gable slept in the nude. And as soon as we started putting clothes on Gable, they're like, ooh, don't like this. I'm writing a negative review. Uh, probably there's a horse blanket that they lay down hmm, okay. and then kind of can wrap up if ever, uh, l- like a like a fancy lady, if ever if anyone steps in <laughs> and is like, ooh. What's, and this what's a horse blanket? It's a blanket for a horse. Blanket made out of horses. Both. Like a horse skin blanket. Yeah. For real? Is that a thing? Yeah, no, a it's a horses. blanket you put on a horse. I yeah. think it goes between the saddle and the beast. Yeah, it's where the the oh. how you keep your horse warm. For for why? Because for it needs to be a, yeah, it needs to be a big oh. horse blanket. Chafing. I don't know. If that's the. Okay. Scientific term. I think there's uh, but, but I, I was unaware of this this thing. See, it's good we this recorded again. Definitely now we dovetails know. interestingly with the other fact that we have established about Gable sleeping in the past, which is that Gable like sort of grabs and cuddles whatever happens to be around them while they are sleeping, which in this room could be livestock, you know, just grabbing one of the sheep or pigs or goats uh, or hapless crew members that happen to be walking by. Mm -hmm. It's just a a snuggle. It's just a little snuggle. A snuggle. Established in the past. Everybody, like, at first, they might be a little bit upset about it, but then realize how comfortable it is, and it is the best sleep that they get. Yeah. Really. Is being one of Gable's human teddy bears. Listen, ain't we all? (laughs) (laughs) But that's not where Gable is right now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Liz, it might well, be easier if uh, you, you, you let them no, no, know. No, no, no. How- John, should we check the bathroom again? Yeah, let's get over there. Oh, hey, guys. Oh. Oh. Hey, Gable. I was, Gable, on, my way to, you- I was on my way to the bathroom. Mm. Oh. Late um, this morning. Thank you. Yeah, I am a little bit. Were you looking for me? Yes. Yeah, we uh, stopped by the bathroom a couple times. Well, then you'll need to wait. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Go. Actually, check. well, first I need to make sure that there's no one in there. What? What? I need I need to kick everyone out of the bathroom so I can go. Oh, hey, That's, hang on. But Gable. Why did, Don't worry. I'll make sure. And John runs you, John. down the hallway and uh, <laughs> <laughs> Bathroom Barry has already put up a new balsa wood door. He's so good. He's, He's so good. So good. He's so good. So good. We are truly lucky to have him. Uh, John, it drop kicks through <laughs> the door. Uh, we, of course, go into bullet time. And then yep. uh, John uh, dusts himself off. Gable is on their way to use the bathroom, and everyone who is in here needs to get out. That is not bathroom Barry. Uh oh! I, I am in the middle of something, and I am working on it. Uh, there uh, is no time. Gable is on their way, and this better be uh, cleared out before they get here. Oh God, Wendell! Come on, <laughs> get it together. 
Get it, get it out of the window. <laughs> you need the bathroom completely empty? What did we put in eight stalls for? I don't know. I didn't make it. I just know what I like. Just feels rude. Yeah, that joke didn't hit the second time. <laughs> <laughs> we'll leave that up to the audience. We'll leave it up to the audience. <laughs> oh. I, one thing I do appreciate about the audience is occasionally they'll write in and be like, Johnny made this great joke and nobody reacted to it. and I just want him to know that I noticed. It's like, okay, well, we didn't. That's the important part. <laughs> So I, I think, like, as you guys arrive to the bathroom, uh, Bathroom Barry has put up the new door, and coming out the other way, Wendell smashes through. Um, just on the way out, as he's, like, uh, you know, drying off his hands. It's all yours. All right, thank you. I will see both of you in 20 minutes, most of which will be taken up by regular bathroom activities. Goodbye. <laughs> Gable enters the bathroom uh, just as bathroom Barry slips a new door into place and then you can hear the sound of a viola as bathroom Barry starts to play the song that Gable requests every time they <laughs> have their bathroom time. Uh, this time, however, I would love to investigate what are Jonnet and Travis doing while Gable's having bathroom time? <laughs> what are regular bathroom activities? They said they'll be doing regular bathroom activities. Yeah, I feel like... But in my head, that's that's two... There's only two things. Yes. Right. Uh, it's... Uh, and... and but at the same time, like I've never made that much noise in the bathroom before. <laughs> no, it's absurd. I, maybe that's maybe that's why they have bathroom Barry play Paralyzer by Finger Eleven on the viola every time they go in to try and drown out the cartoonish sounds that emanate. <laughs> hey, I've always wanted to ask, Travis, mm -hmm. what do you have bathroom Barry play? When you're voodoo by Godsmack. <laughs> so what do you, what do you have him play? Purple Rain. <laughs> and for those we wondering, very... Drefts was under pressure. <laughs> under pressure. <laughs> uh, we we cut forward to twenty minutes later after Gable has finished using the bathroom. Gable comes out smelling like sandalwood, completely refreshed, almost shiny in their uh, <laughs> entire demeanor. <sighs> oh, you waited. Yeah, yeah I have just... something really important to talk about. Oh, do you want to go back in the bathroom? Well, yeah, it's, I mean, there's no one in there. There's so. no, one, no one in there. So anyway. Cut tube. So they, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we see them on the lounge couch that is also in the bathroom. Oh, man. Enjoying yeah. cucumber water. <laughs> <laughs> this okay. And sheet masks. They've got sheet masks on too. Uh, the this bathroom. The more we describe it, it's more. It's falling more and more in line with what I imagined the girls' bathroom to be in. Like, uh, it like at my old church. Like everybody was like, "Oh, it's so like there's so much cool." They have a couch in there. I'm like, "Why would you put a couch in a bathroom?" <laughs> <laughs> this is this is the women's restroom at the mall at Millennia in Orlando. Honestly, yes, that's like 
a women's restroom in a Dillard's that no one's gone to in a while. <laughs> just like there's a there's a portrait studio right outside. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you want to talk um, about? Well, I had an interesting conversation with the captain that I thought you would both like to know about. Are you talking about when he was speaking to Spit? Because I don't think we've really unpacked that one yet. Well, no, but I will, I'll pack something else now and then we can maybe unpack it all together. Okay. Um, you know, guns. Yeah. Yeah. The captain pulled one on me, on my person. Uh, he took a gun and pointed it at me, and he looked at me in a very angry way, as if he were inclined to shoot me. And I said, please, sir, do not. And he did not. And then he put the heart, he put Jeff's heart on the table. Who's Jeff? I'm sorry, what? Jeff, the the nervous fella who got killed. You mean Dreff? No, you can't possibly think that his name no. is Jeff. It's what did you what did you say? Dreff. 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 Dreff Wormwood. Wormwood. <laughs> Jeff. Oh God, I'm Dreff losing Wormwood. it too. <laughs> we we flash back to the moment that Dreff introduced himself, and he did in fact say his name was Jeff Wormwood at first. <laughs> Mainly because he was still getting used to having a secret identity and and changing his name. So while he was looking around the room, he had forgotten that his name is Dreff Wormwood. And he saw a picture of Jeff Gordon on the wall. We'll investigate that later and what the implications are Skyjacks Jeff Jeff Gordon. Uh, And I don't know what you see that gets you to Wormwood, but he said it. You can't possibly... Dreff. Can't. Jeff. Dreff. Dreff. Jeff. Dreff. We're all saying this. We're saying the same thing. No, you know we what? are not. I'm. Listen. Okay. So you're coming to us saying that the captain tried to shoot at you, right? How is that possible when anyone who's aiming a gun at you would, of course, shoot? Because <laughs> you are the worst. <laughs> Well, I told you, I asked him very politely, no, sir, please do not shoot me. And normally I don't ask that. I just, you know, antagonize knowing that if I get shot, I will likely survive. The way you lived your life, Travis, I swear I do not understand. So are you trying to say that now when he did this, he did this of his own volition and afterwards he just left. We don't know where the captain is. We haven't seen him since. I haven't seen him. Well, we know. That I assume he's, he's calling you know, a meeting. with Spit getting getting ready to lead the vote. I think everything that's happened in the fa- in the past few moments, and by moments I mean weeks and days, have indicated to me that the captain, if he is alive in there that's something we need to be concerned about because if that's the case he will be angry and rightfully so thankfully we can all just say 
Captain, don't blame us. Blame Jeff. And he's already paid his price. I don't being know. dead. Oh, I don't know about that. That's a lot of walking you got to do. <laughs> I don't know, man. Um, well, he wants to call a meeting, so he he wants the crew to all be there. So, I mean, as long as the captain is aware that the mariner is coming at us, then maybe he'll table wanting to point a gun at you more, Travis, for, you know, a later time. One fire at a time. Yeah, John, it's right. There are bigger, scarier, frightening fish to fry, or not fry, or run away from, than the, our boss being really, really mad at us. So, let's just go to the meeting and see what happens. Maybe it's fine. Maybe it'll well, be is- all chill and cool. Is he technically still our boss? I feel like dying was kind of his resignation. I mean, <laughs> does does resurrecting rescind the resignation? That's a good question, and I don't know. I am not an HR professional. <laughs> we'll have we'll unfortunately, very unfortunately, have to consult Spit on this one. <laughs> Hey Heroes, it's James, your Game Master, and welcome to the mid-roll. Heroes, this week I need to ask a favor from you. One of the shows on our network, Asians Represent, has been nominated for an Emmy. The Ennies are an annual award show to recognize achievements across the RPG landscape, including podcasts. And Asians Represent has been nominated as Best Podcast. If you haven't stuck around to hear one of their promos yet, Asians Represent is a show that celebrates Asian creators in the analog gaming world, while also examining challenges Asian creators and fans face within the industry. And part of that involves deconstructing the use of Asian cultural tropes across the gaming world in our uncomfortable history and sometimes uncomfortable modern day. They also showcase and celebrate the imagination of Asian creators through actual plays. And this year in particular, Daniel Kwan, Agatha Chang, and the rest of the Asians Represent team have been doing a lot of especially impressive work, including deconstructing one of Dungeons & Dragons' most problematic supplements, Oriental Adventures. And yes, they really did name it that, and that name endured at least through the early 2000s. For that work, the Asians Represent team has seen a lot of negative backlash, including straight-up harassment. And I would really like to show that there are people out there in the gaming community who support this work. And a great way to do that on a large platform is helping Asians represent win the Any this year. And because they got past the nominations phase, we can help them out because anyone can vote for a victor in the Ennies. So to vote for Asians represent, just head to any, that's spelled E-N-N-I-E, dash awards dot com slash vote slash 2020. Or follow the link in our show notes. While you're there, you can also vote for other great projects that got nominations this year. Just make sure you give Asians Represent the number one. Thanks for your support, heroes. Before we get back to the show, let's take a quick moment to thank our backers on Patreon. And we're getting things started off with a name update, and that is for Riley Gray. Thank you so much. Dylan Sanat, thank you. Caleb Simmons, thank you so much. Daniel Hiller, thank you very much. Alex Rubenstein, thank you very much. Joel Pabst, thank you. Nick Agger, 
Thank you very much. Ryan, thank you. Ryan Galinsky, thank you very much. Brendan Merriman, thank you. Tia Shafi, thank you very much. Katie Olson, thank you. And Pedro Pereira, thank you so much. Thanks again to everyone who supports us on Patreon. This show wouldn't be possible without you. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Now with all of that out of the way, let's get back in the sky. So with that, are, are you ready to go to the vote? Well, is it an hour? <laughs> about an hour. About an hour. Yeah, I guess it's been about Give an or hour. take. <laughs> All right. The heart bell tolls again, uh, letting everyone know that there is one minute until the meeting. You can Thank hear you, and <laughs> Damn it. I was going to do the same bit. <laughs> I'm glad that we both stole it from Johnny, though. That's great. That's what makes me happiest. Hey, you earned it. We can hear the echo of thank you one around the ship as everyone prepares to go to the top deck. We can see that there's already a crowd gathered on the top deck, sitting on the railings around the center of the ship. We find nearly every member of the Uhuru. In the center of the ship, near the main mast, sits Oromar Vale with Spit at his side. They wait until the last crew members file in before they begin. Spit steps forward. All right. Now, some of you know, either because you've been having dreams of your own or you've just been keeping your eyes and ears open while you've been here in Nordia. The Mariner's coming. And looking up at the sky, we all know what a red sky at the morning means. There ain't no avoiding it. We don't know when the drowned fleet is going to make port, but we know they're coming here, and we know they never mean well. So we've got two options as far as I see it. The first is that we gather everyone here that we can, put them in the hull of the ship, and we fly off as many survivors as we possibly can to another port. That's the safest way to do things. We got a little bit of schemolic left to scrape. If we tried to take off now, we wouldn't be able to do it. We've been paying special attention to uh, the guide sails and to the rudder, but there's still more work to do. 
And likely, if we don't finish what we have to finish here, we'd have to stop somewhere along the way. And there just aren't other ports equipped as well as Nordia. So we've got to commit a lot of people to work on that. And the second option is that we fight. Now, I know we got a lot of brave people on this ship, and the Uhuru has fought its way out of some tight spots in the past. So, uh, if people want to commit themselves to fighting the Mariner, it might be able to give this port a chance. Uh, be able to save a lot more people if we can actually turn the Mariner back. Now, no matter what, at the end of this vote, the crew is going to decide. We follow the captain's orders, but ultimately it's down to every person on this crew to choose what we do. Now, you all agreed to be a part of the crew of the Uhuru, which means you agreed to abide by the decisions of your fellow crewmates. I know people feel very strongly about this because I've already heard rumblings around the ship. If the vote don't go your way, you still got to commit yourself fully. If we do either one of these plans halfway, there's a chance that no one's making their way out. So, because it's everyone's choice, everyone's allowed to speak their piece. With that, Spit steps back and into the crowd, leaving the captain sitting on a barrel in front of the main mast. The captain looks around at the crowd. And the three of you try to decide if his movements have the unnatural and automatic tone that they've carried after Dref reprogrammed in lifelike movements, or if there is a new lifelike fluidity to it. You can't decide either way. As the silence rolls forward while people choose whether or not they'd like to speak. Uh, Jonnet is going to stand up. <clears throat> um, look, either way we do this, it's going to be tough. <clears throat> the Mariner is an incredible force. It's, it, it, it's terrifying. But we already faced him once, all right? And he's still on our trail. He's still looking for us, hunting for us. We have to be able to find a way to push him back. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Baby <laughs> wow. The cat really got involved in that one. <laughs> uh, everybody hold for cat. I got a hold black cat. cat crosses Thank in you, front cat. of Jonnet. And he's like, oh, no. Oh, no. <clears throat> the Mariner is a terrible force. And he's coming after us. But we can't just run. All right, how far could we even get with all of this schematic? We've got to try and take a stand. We did something at Bougenith that not a lot of people can say that they've ever done, which is we, we, we fended off an attack from the Mariner, an advance from the Mariner. I'm not saying that we have to f defeat him. I'm not saying that we, we have the ability to end the Mariner's terror right here, but... If we leave, we might be putting this town in danger. Look, I'm... 
I'll go along with however the crew votes, but if we're smart about this, we might have a chance. And that's more than maybe any other crew who's ever encountered the Mariner can say. And and that's all I got. Uh, with that, there are hoots and hollers from the more hawkish members of the crew. Those who are hungry for a battle. Those who wish to test their mettle against the drowned fleet. After that, there is another beat of silence before the wasp steps forward onto the center deck. She looks around at the faces around her, seeing those who are hungry for a chance to prove their mettle, whose bravado rolls off of them like a cloud. She squints. Now I know there are a lot of brave people aboard this ship. I've seen that bravery time and time again as I have served as your cook. But there are limits to what we should do. The Mariner is dangerous. And this isn't the first crew that's thought to face the Mariner. And sure, the Mariner has been turned back from certain ports before. There have been full red feather combat contingents that have faced down against the drowned fleet. The Tempest Armada in their day would even go toe-to-toe with the Mariner over certain ports. But this is not our fight. We're all on this crew because we are corsairs. We are outlaws. Our conflict is with the Red Feather Syndicate. They are the reasons that you cannot go to your home ports. I know many people out there who have lost friends and family because of the Syndicate. If you want to be strong for that fight, You have to remember that you do not need to be a part of every fight. Now, the captain is a good man, and the Uhuru is a good ship. We work to do what good we can where we can do it. And to me, that means loading up those townsfolk out there who are scared and perhaps may be unsuspecting that the Mariner is coming. If the Uhuru wasn't here, those people would have nothing. But we are here. We can go out there. We can grab as many people as possible, load them into our hull, and drop them off at the next port we find. We can give them a chance to live their lives. But if we go out there and we fight the Mariner and we fail, no one is making it out of here. I know a lot of you have seen the Mariner in action before. I know you have seen his dark magic. You know exactly what he can do. It's too much of a risk. We haven't even scouted this fight. We have no idea how many ships from the drowned fleet are waiting out there in that bay to swarm over everything this town has to offer and leave nothing but violence and bloodshed behind. This isn't a fight that we planned for. This isn't a fight that we're equipped to have. If we want to do good, we gather up people, we get them on our ship, and we go somewhere else. We don't throw our lives away for something something that might not even be worth our time. 
And with that, Hornet looks around once more and steps back. As soon as Hornet sits down, Gable, who has been leaning up against a pole, stands up straight. Hornet is right. We cannot win. In this fight against an enemy so great, we cannot hope to win. There's a lot of rumbling and muttering in the crowd from both sides of this debate. The wise thing to do would be, of course, to gather as many villagers from Nordia as possible and make our way to the next port. And as we fly away, they can see the Mariner's drowned fleet overrun everything that they've loved for thousands of years, destroying their homes, their livelihoods, and have themselves start over in new lives that they can't even fathom because of a threat. Where are you? Where are you going in- with this? <laughs> Shut <up>. Do anything. <laughs> Janet, I'm scared. There is... Okay, you sit down. Sit down. Okay, okay. Sorry. You do you. You do you. There's no way to win, but there is a way to save Nordia. Are you, ser- are you serious? Let them... Come on. Okay, I, w- I need you two to sit down. <laughs> You're right. I like all, all of these times, like slowly. Gable has been standing in the middle of the deck, but Travis and Jonnet have like kind of slowly edged their way out of the crowd <laughs> each time, and they be like, oh, yeah, and they melt back, <laughs> and so like, find them, like magnetically pulled back to Gable. The Huru is no army. This is true, but in this crew, there are such powers, such wonderful magic, and strength amongst our people that we provide a unique opportunity if the mariner had come to nordia without us they wouldn't have stood a chance but they do because of us and they stand a chance because nordia itself has unique properties that can bind the mariner not beat it bind it with this there is more rumbling in the crowd I want you all to look me in the eye and say that the attempt to save a town, to save a village, to save a livelihood is not worth doing if we know that we can. We don't need to beat the drowned fleet. We just need to draw them out. We need to know exactly what's coming. We can go take scouting parties, draw them out, and draw the mariner to provide them the folk magic that all of you know already exists in this area. It is possible, and I've seen it. The Huru is capable of such great things, and if you had the chance to do this kind of damage to such a fatal foe, why wouldn't you? You got there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jonnet and Travis are like clapping. We'll have notes, but you did pull it around. <laughs> we are not here to battle. We are here to fight another day. And we can and we should. 
and Gable sits down. Approaching the center deck is Nodos. He carries his spear with him. His long, tired eyes look out over the crowd. I believe in Gable. I believe in the captain. I believe in Jonat Kessler. And God help me, I believe in Travis Matago. Got him. <laughs> along on, with our on, dear dude. departed doctor, along with our dear departed doctor and myself and Mr. Barge, this group managed to outwit and outroute the civility. Arguably one of the most heavily armed cargo ships in the Red Feather fleet. There was not a large landing party on that boat. There was us, and we stood firm. If there is any crew in the history of Weave that stands a chance to rout the Mariner at a port like this, it is the crew of the Uhuru. I'll remind you that out there is a cove, a cove that has been created by a town that was sunk. There is a natural barrier of rock and sand that sits between the beach of Nordia and our foes. They cannot directly land on that beach, which gives us time to fortify this town. If we decide now that we are willing to fight, we will be able to build up those fortifications. We will be able to shore our walls against this threat. If it is a matter of binding the mariner, of performing a ceremony to use the natural magics of this place against him and his fleet, then we can buy ourselves that time. But my friends, we will want that time anyway because we still need to finish the scrape. We don't know if the Mariner intends to attack at night or at noon or even this morning. If the Mariner were to attack right now, even if our intent was to save as many as we could and take off, we would not be able to do that. And we couldn't do that because our ship will not allow us. We could commit every hand on board to the scrape and there would be too many to finish the work. But if we prepare for a fight right now, we can buy ourselves the time we need, whether that is the time to load our ship with innocence and flee, or the time to perform a ceremony and defend this town permanently against the Mariner's threat. You ask yourselves, whether you will fight or flee. Those are not decisions that the crew of the Uhuru makes. The Uhuru chooses when and how to fight. We will fight. We can either fight preparing, or we can fight unprepared. Doing things in half measures will spell our doom. That I agree with Mr. Spit. So vote to fight now and join me in helping this town defend itself. And with that, Nodos clears away. After a moment of hesitation, Spit steps forward. Now, uh, 
Y'all know I've been sailing with the captain longer than anyone on this ship. And the captain and I got to speaking about this last night. Um, normally, I, normally, I don't love hearing that. Normally, when the captain's <laughs> got his mindset on doing something, he's all sorts of plans and schemes. I asked him how he might go about fighting. And he just sat there thinking. Now, I don't intend to be here speaking words for the captain. He can do that on his own account. He always has been able to. And he ain't never been shy about it. It feels like he's saying that stuff on purpose. (laughs) (laughs) But what if it's it's true? But what if it is true? I hate it. I hate it. But I'll say this. I don't think it's wise to cross swords with the Mariner. Not in this way. Not right now. We ain't done no scouting. We don't know what kind of advantages we have. How well fortified is Nordia? How many cannons do they have? Because I'll tell you how many cannons the ship has. None. We've got a ship that we've made really good at boarding other ships and taking their cargo. We ain't fortified. We ain't outfitted for a fight against ships on the sea. Now, there are things the Uhuru could do, but we'd need really, really good support from that town of people out there. And I've been talking to them. Most of them don't want to acknowledge the fact that the Mariner's on his way. There's going to be a lot of panic today. And it's going to be all that it takes from us to calm down those that we can and get them to safety aboard our ship. That's just the way I sees it. Obviously, if y'all decide to fight, I will be behind you. Because that's what I signed up for when I joined this crew. When I got this, Spit takes out of his pocket an old coin that looks beaten and tarnished, covered in bits of rust. It is the symbol of all crew members aboard the Uhuru. The Uhuru's Jolly Roger, stamped into something that used to belong to the Red Feather Syndicate. For most, it is stamped into bits, the smaller currency made from the Red Feather Bar, the standard currency across most of Sphere. It is bits of metal about as long as a human thumb. Bits are quarter bars hunks of a bar that have actually been chopped off to create something that is roughly cube-shaped. The Uhuru coins are generally made of this being stamped down with the Uhuru's Roger, destroying something that once represented something very valuable to the Red Feather Syndicate, and instead turning it into a token of loyalty and determination. Everyone on the crew, subconsciously, or consciously, reaches to their own token when they made the commitment to the other members of this crew, when they made the pledge to the captain that they would serve loyally. When I got this, I knew what it meant. And part of what it means is doing the right thing. But that doesn't mean we can't be clever about doing the right thing. Would it be right to stay and fight 
Yes. But it's also right to protect who we can. And I think we're going to have an easier time of doing one than the other. So that's my piece. So we're at an interesting moment here. Spit and the Wasp have voiced themselves against this action. Uh, Spit represents the older hands on the crew, those most loyal to the captain. Wasp represents those members of the crew that have the most practical view of life. Those who don't imagine themselves as the protagonist of legendary stories. Those who know that they are just living day to day as outlaws. Nodos represents those who hunger to fight. Men like Wendell Barge, who pride themselves on their ability to stay cool and stay strong in a combat. And then there is the Captain's Council, representing those who are most easily swept up in thoughts of glory and fancy. Those who have watched the legend of Oromar Vale and his inner circle unfold before their eyes across your adventures recently. They saw you sink the civility. They saw you claim victory at Ayr Piora in Bujanith. Perhaps they will see you claim victory over the Mariner today. Mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And that's that episode. I'm so fucking scared. (laughs) We join the captain's council of the Uhuru crew in the captain's quarters as they go through the large and overstuffed mailbag of letters addressed to the Uhuru and her crew. Dear Uhuru, especially you, you know who you are. I know what you did. You thought you were clever about it, but I saw. Now I don't... This one's about me. Now I don't normally mind watching, but I couldn't let this one slip by with popcorn and envy. Leave one pound of unmarked feather weave, a bottle of your finest hooch, and a scarf you wore that day with the mail office at your next port. Or everyone... In the Bird Watching Association, we'll find out. Yours most sincerely, know it all in nowhere. Okay, well, this is definitely about me, like I said, but I certainly don't remember what they're talking about or have any idea what it means. Well, we could feasibly list all the things that it could be, various offenses, or 
we could just skip it. We could <laughs> so just not do your, that. Your suggestion, uh, just, just so I know, for this segment is we could all sort of spontaneously come up with a fun list of humorous offenses that, that Travis may have committed, or yes. the alternative is we just skip it. I think both of those sound really appealing. Because skipping appealing. it means we could mm-hmm, do other things. What yeah. happens what happens after? It let's say let's say I'm entertaining the skipping idea. What mm-hmm. do we skip to? That's the great part. We, we don't, don't know. know. But <laughs> whatever we want, the yes. world is our oyster. The only thing we know is that we skip it. And after we made it, a then choice. we skip it. We did it. We so, skipped it. If we do this, what's going to happen is we'll all agree to skip it. And then the next thing that happens is just going to happen on its own completely. No, we'll we'll decide what the next thing is. Okay. Maybe we maybe we read the same letter again, but backwards. But the point is that we make the choice to skip it. And then we are presented with a new list of choices. That would not Wait have been available to us had we not skipped it. And that makes it fun. Life isn't... You You miss 100% of the shots you don't skip. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a title card comes up on the screen that says, and so they decided to skip it. Uh, what is the next scene that immediately follows that title card? Jonnet has Oromar's... <laughs> Locks <laughs> just separated from his head. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. That's what happens when you skip it. <laughs> well, this is a situation we're in now, Gable, so you can't be so blasé about it. And that's what would have happened if we had skipped it, but we haven't skipped it yet. But so we that's could. one option. We could. That's one. That's, okay. that's a darker timeline. The darker. So now we've sort of muddled this whole situation in a series of dream sequences that will be, mm. you know, perhaps more elaborate, perhaps, perhaps well, character driven. Well, that's that's one option of things that we could do. <laughs> you see, but we don't have to. That's the beauty of it: is we don't have to do anything. Wait, we can't just put up nothing. That's not how this works. If I Ooh, give you all wait. the option to do nothing every time, I no, know no, what no. you'll pick. But Spit, that's the great part. By just merely discussing what the possibilities of a choice of a Skip It would be, we are in fact not doing nothing. We aren't skipping it by saying we're going to skip it. We are, we've, at the very least, done 100% the opposite of what a skip would contain. So you Spit, think check your this is engaging right with the material? We're engaging with some material. <laughs> and here, hey, 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 here's the thing, here's the thing. If we never got that letter, we wouldn't be doing this at all in the first place. So technically, we're here Thanks to the letter, whether we choose to skip it or not. Exactly. And I think that that's what matters. Whether we engage in the way that it was intended, of course not. Why would we? Why would anyone want us to do that? But if we skip it, 
then something new and brilliant is created. It's innovative. And that's the conversation we would have had if we had even <laughs> considered talking about skipping it. But we're Which not we going will to skip not it. Do. We, we will not skip it. But we could we have. We could have. Okay, then I suppose it's time we start answering this letter now that we've decided not to skip it. I've forgotten it. what it says. Well, no, me too. <laughs> now, I do. I remember one aspect of it, and I would like to talk about something briefly. They did mention birding. If I if I remember correctly, I do vaguely. Uh, and if I didn't Bird remember showing up there, if I didn't remember correctly, don't correct me. <laughs> now, lately, I've been working from uh, my quarters all day, every day, and I sit by a window that's by a tree, and uh, I put a tree right outside the window on the ship. I staple the tree. To- <laughs> <laughs> and uh every day I see birds in this tree all the time and finally I was thinking gosh it would be it would be lovely to know what kind of birds these are because I can only name one one bird and these are different birds and so I got an app uh and I ate this app and I thought well I wish there was a way that I could <laughs> mm. look through a catalog <laughs> of birds to see what's here and I found one, and um, wouldn't you know, as soon as I got this catalog, uh, for the next, this was three days ago, I haven't seen a single bird. Not a single bird out this window. It's infuriating. Have you considered putting up a bird feeder? Uh, No, they usually just eat the tree. That's why I stapled the tree to the ship. Well, I mean, but but if you do put up a bird feeder, you guarantee that you're going to see some birds. I mean... Most of them what if, will be pigeons, sure. Mm-hmm. But what if they drop some seeds and then it attracts rats? Well, first of all, rats are an ever-present thing. You're never not going to have rats, and they will always be attracted to your activities. There's a rat in my hand right now. Ah! Yep. Oh, God. Yeah. Ah, ah. <laughs> <laughs> Don, it tosses the rat across the room. <laughs> Now, anyway, that's my bird thing. Well, well, let me let me jump in there and I'll do my own bird thing, because where I'm at right now, we have a bit of a backyard uh, on my part of the ship. Sure. And there there are some bird feeders set up and I purchased myself uh, some bird seed and I filled up one of the feeders that's just closest to the window and. Obviously, there's a squirrel who goes after it, right? And so I've obviously, tried yes, obviously. to devise increasingly more elaborate ways of securing the feeder against the squirrel. And each time I watch him foil my plans, and I feel like, I know we've been doing a lot of cartoon stuff, but I feel like exactly like every cartoon I've ever watched. You should get a gun. Now, I thought about that. I also thought about sending away for a pair of roller skates and perhaps <laughs> some fireworks to strap to myself so I could chase the squirrel afterwards as well. Did any of you, when you were younger, have friends or perhaps no. your parents have a, a a thing in the backyard that was a, a feeder for squirrels? And it was like a you would put like a dried out corn cob. 
on this little like yes. plank that you would nail to a tree. You roll the corn cob in peanut peanutted butter, um, and That's then for birds. That's for birds. And then you is that is that not what we're talking about? I wasn't really paying attention. I think I might go get no, a water. It's a, it's you guys, a, I, I'm, I'm going to skip it, and you, I'm going to go get some more water. You guys keep on talking about birds, okay? It was You're a little plank. I'm it. looking it up right now, and it's a little, just like a little plank that you nail to a tree, and then you put a dried corn cob on it. And that's but why the would you want to feed? Yes, and why would you want to feed squirrels? I mean, why do you want to feed birds? Well. I don't know. Birds, you know, are, are squirrels are just cute rats. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I feel like if you if you're gonna be putting food out like on a stick in your backyard, you should be happy with whatever comes to eat. Like that's well, true. Let's see what Gable thinks of that. What? <laughs> Wait, spit. What if you get one of these squirrel feeders so as well? Squirrel feeder. Okay, I'm gonna take my headphones <laughs> on. And and it could distract the squirrel. You know, the squirrel. Perhaps squirrel food would be more appetizing to the squirrel than bird food. Okay, so I sort of dress up uh, an attractive lady squirrel that I put on the squirrel feeder. Maybe bring it over or write something like well, you're too, free you're too outside food. the box, spit. No, you, no, you could just you could just do the the squirrel food. You just use the device for its intended purpose. Yeah, but the squirrel would do both. Obviously, we got to sweeten the pot on one of them. Is the squirrel a real squirrel or is it a a skunk? This that's... is a real squirrel that I'm contending with. Let's see what Gable is thinking about this. <laughs> what are we What are we talking about? Should Gable, what would you do? Should spit. Should Spit try and make this squirrel fuck another squirrel? <laughs> a fake squirrel. I. It's a I yes or no question. Anyway, I hope I hope that answers your question. <laughs> Should have skipped it. Should have skipped it. <laughs> Campaign Skyjacks is a one-shot network production. For more information, be sure to follow us on Twitter at, at @CampaignPod for updates about live shows and other events we might be doing. Welcome to Character Creation Cast, a show where we create and discuss characters, the best part of role-playing games, with guests using their favorite systems. I'm one of your hosts, Ryan Bolter. And I'm your other host, Amelia Antrim. Join us as we sit down with game designers, podcasters, and fans of games as we dive into learning about different RPGs through the lens of character creation. It's a combination of character building, player advice, game design insights, and even a little bit of fan fiction for a different game every month. We tackle a variety of new and old games, both well-known and indie-produced titles. We learn how creating characters can tell us a lot about the games themselves. Check us out today anywhere you can get podcasts or on the OneShot Podcast Network at OneShotPodcast.com. You can find more great gaming shows over at OneShotPodcast.com. Like Asians Represent. Asians Represent celebrates Asian creators and diversity in the gaming community. Join hosts Agatha Chang and Daniel Kwan as they discuss gaming, genre, and representation with their guests and occasionally argue with each other about the sound of Agatha's beloved Airhorn app. Jonet Kessler was played by Tyler Davis, who can be found on Twitter and Instagram at Tyler A. Dave. 
Gable was played by Liz Anderson, who can be found on Twitter at Liz Anderson underscore underscore underscore, or on her podcast, Paired. Travis Matago was played by Johnny O'Mara, who can be found on Twitter at Johnny and Briefs, or on his podcast, Dilettante Ball. I am James D'Amato, your host and game master. You can find me on Twitter at OneShotRPG, or on my other podcast, One Shot. The original music featured in this production was composed and performed by Arnie Parrott. You can find Arnie on Twitter at A-R-N-E-P-A-R-R-O-T-T. And you can find more of his work at atptunes.com. This episode was edited by Casey Tony, who can be found on Twitter at Casey Pony, spelled C-A-S-E-Y p-o-n-e-y or on his own podcast neoscum our logo was designed by fiona shea who can be found on twitter at fiona pup the world of sphere was inspired in part by the music of the decemberists and the card game illimat property of together studios the game used in this production is a modified version of the genesis role-playing system that was created by a talented group of game designers who were fired by a private equity firm owning fantasy flight games There are no kings. Take flight, heroes. Health to the strangers who've ever been kind, and once for our friends ne'er to rise. Twice to the dearest we're leaving behind, who know we can never deny the call of the sky.